0: Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. Welcome to All Things Wolverines. It is Brandon, Cousin Kyle, and Nate. And uh, it is good to be back with you all. And it is especially good to be back after a Michigan victory. Uh, Nate, why don't you get us in? What was your big takeaway, kind of game recap against the Nittany Lions over at uh, Happy Valley? Talk to us about it.
1: Well, it's good to have the gang all back together, guys. Uh, It's been been a wild few months for all of us. So good to reunite on this front. Uh, Not to mention the wild ride we've all been on as a university alumni fan base network of uh, University of Michigan with Spygate. Um, But yeah, in the midst of the context, everything that's transpired over the past few weeks, I would think it's safe for all of us to say no. No one had any clue what was going to come out of that field, right? Um, All the pundits were picking Michigan by like two touchdowns, which... As Michigan fans, none of us felt comfortable with. (laughs) In fact, I think that stressed uh, most of us out. Game day, noon kickoff, they all were like, Michigan is going to win this game. And I was like, oh my gosh, please stop. Um, But no, I mean, genuinely, this is the happiest after the game that I have experienced since the game in 2021 against Ohio State in the snow. I say that just because of the surrounding context of everything, right? They're 21 year old kids. This was easily and I think that's not even a hot take, the best defense that we have faced since Georgia and the college football playoff in 21. Um, they have good players all over that defensive field. They really do. Now, the offensive side is a different story. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I heard someone call Iowa. They're, they're Iowa with a finished basement. I don't know if that's Brian from MGO Blog or someone in the that network that, that uh, we enjoy listening to as well, but I think that's accurate with what we saw. They have a much more athletic defensive base, Um, but yeah, they don't play complimentary football and they are the bronze medal winners, but I don't want to spend my time talking about Penn state. What I would like to instead focus on is even though all these things are alleged about Connor stallions, man, there was so much emotion on that field. You just told a bunch of dudes, 20 of which are probably going to be on NFL rosters next year that they cheated. You took away their leader less than 24 hours before kickoff. And no matter what you think, that's a lot of distraction. Okay, these young men, they displayed more maturity, focus, and resolve than you or I do on our best day of the month with our jobs. I don't have over 100,000 people screaming at me while I'm trying to perform, um, let alone experiencing mild hearing loss after that game. It's one of the loudest venues in the world. They performed at a championship level on the road with most of the country against them, about probably 95%. And it truly was great to be a Michigan Wolverine in this day, right? Sharon Moore... With the tears, and yes, people are laughing about some of the context in which he's crying for, but let's be real. If you or I were on that field, even, you know, if this was Ohio State, I would probably be laughing at whoever was interim if I was in their space, but if you put yourself in that position, how could you not be emotional about it? You just watched your kids that you've spent sweating, blood, sweat, and tears over throughout the whole summer to prepare for this moment, and they persevered. and they were given a competitive disadvantage, just like we were told that we do. So anyway, I just was so proud to be a Michigan Wolverine. And I want to welcome you to the greatest assistant coach university between uh, Phil Martelli and Sharon Moore in the history of college sports. Um, they can keep their multimillion dollar indecisive James Franklin. But, uh, you know, here we are. Keep doubting us. This is what we wanted at the beginning of the year, guys, right? We wanted people to tell us that we weren't good enough. I didn't know it would come by Spygate, but this is where people are. They are continuing to tell us that we're not good enough. We're not going to compete. We're not going to make it, and they try to take the coach away. And yet, we are still ten and zero, ready to line up against November Maryland before the game, and uh, it's just a good time to be alive. So, what were uh, some of your guys' takeaways from the game? Well, I think the best part is is like you said,
0: the five and seven uh talk uh didn't need to be false motivation like georgia manufactured you know in the last couple of years um because uh yeah there's actual things going on that as as if this team needed any more motivation they've got enough drive to keep it going without all this stuff just a little extra on top cousin kyle uh what was your big takeaway kind of game recap against the penn state nittany lions or the knitting
2: kittens as i like to call them <laughs> yeah i don't know if i would have preferred michigan's uh, motivation to come from such a uh, like from this story uh, i would have liked it to be a lot more manufactured and i uh, maybe it's still fake but still would prefer it would have been not this but that's okay to nate's point yeah i mean i, I it was such a satisfying win um because of of all the stuff surrounding and uh the the suspension of jim harbaugh and just all this stuff uh you know sharon moore i think had the toughest job of maybe any you know coach maybe ever uh i don't know that's probably dramatic but like definitely a tough job to be three coaches in one you know, offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, and then the head coach. And I guess one silver lining of the season was he at least had practice in doing that in one game. This wasn't the first time he had ever done it, but man, just hats off to him. He seems like a great guy. Seems like uh, the kids on the team really love him, appreciate him. You know, anytime you, you go through a tough situation like that and you see a leader um, do what he did like to display that emotion to be so humble about it to give credit to all the all the kids that were doing the hard work to give credit to Jim Harbaugh as as the leader uh, and and really not take any credit for himself let's take an opportunity to take credit for him Uh, he did a great job on Saturday and you know (laughs) he didn't call a single pass play I take him he called two pass plays in the entire second half one was a fourth down play that Penn state to their credit did an amazing job defending uh, the play action pass. And so JJ was just like, all right, well, I guess I got to run it. And he did. He ran nine yards on a fourth and one. And then the other was a defensive pass interference that uh, was maybe questionable. I think if Kalen King had gotten his head around, it definitely would not have been a pass interference, but, but he didn't do that. So I do think you're, you're going to get that call. That's not like an egregious, Call And for my part, like last week, if you listened to me, I was very pessimistic and I really did think that we were going to get ref job. I think that, you know, I, I thought the big 10, I get the idea that, that they would have had to like tell the refs to do that. And then refs probably have integrity more so than say Tony Petiti. But I think that that's just what I was expecting. And, you know, there was definitely some questionable calls, but I think it, it wasn't egregious. Against Michigan, uh, in particular, there was there was that one roughing the punter call that they just totally screwed up, and that's where I was just like, "So here we go." And uh, then really didn't see it other than like the the non-holding call on Mason Graham on their first touchdown. Like that was the only other one that I was just like, "Okay, this is just terrible." But again, like in a normal season, that would not have necessarily stood out any more than any other missed call in, a, in an away game because you don't expect to to get all of those. So last year, you know, James Franklin whined about how his defense just wasn't built to stop Michigan. And I think that they learned a lot of lessons and, and, you know, they came out, this was a really, really good defense. Statistically, it's it's a top five defense, if not a top two defense, uh, they are, are really good. And I think that's encouraging, hopefully for us as fans, because I don't think Ohio state's defense is as good as this one. um, Maryland's definitely isn't. So Michigan dared Penn State to stop them, and they couldn't. And people are going to continue to talk trash about Michigan and signgate and all that all that stuff. But Michigan was just simply better. And it's a top ten road win uh, by nine points, so we beat the spread. And um, yeah, I, I just think that this was a maybe the best one of the season. I think maybe Texas over Alabama is the only other win that you could look at from any team in college football and say, this was the best one of the season. Uh, And so because it was a road game, because as Nate said, Penn state might be the toughest place to play in in the whole country. uh, Yeah, it was a great win. And yeah, it was just exciting to see. Yeah, I think um,
0: you guys have covered much of it, but I think Michigan had the most epic troll of all time which was in the context of all of this. Uh, The opponent had the play call for every play except two of them in the second half. Michigan is running the ball. Michigan is running the ball in the second half and still could not be stopped, contained, maintained. Manny Diaz before the game. Those are the signals for it. Get there early, be loud, especially on third down. And uh, I love that, you know, Edwards touchdown was a nice, you know, like third and 11 uh, Diaz trolling Michigan football for the sign stealing alleged sign stealing scandal in the build up to the game pantomiming instructions for the Nittany kidneys to uh, get there early and get loud on third downs. And then Blake checked his watch after the TD, just epic, but the whole second half was just one giant troll on college football and on the big 10. Okay. You think we're stealing signs, steal these ones. See if you know what's coming, see if you can contain it at all. And you could not. And uh, yeah, so it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, It felt like a much bigger win, you know, in the sense of of that it was a greater defeat than the scoreline just because, well, we were bruising them and they scored, you know, at the end. I wouldn't say controversial, but there was that, you know, pass interference that then led to it or, or, or sorry, not the pass interference. The, uh, the interception was overturned, which I thought was, uh, I think if they called it on the field incomplete, it would have been like, yeah, no problem. But it was kind of like, uh, it's a little tough to look at here. Um, Anyways, but uh, lots of good. So much good from this game. But what was your Michigan pessimistic moment, either in the lead-up to the game or during the game? Um, Nate, where was your pessimism coming from?
1: Yeah, I mean, what really annoyed me about the game was – hold on. Got to pause for a break. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, Yeah, I think one of my big, big moments that I was just so annoyed at was the whole – hold on. We actually got to get a word from our sponsor real quick. All right, this just in. Uh, great time, really. Just a great first half overall. Thanks for coming. Enjoy the day. No, I mean that was that's the way the whole first half felt like. This game was going to be a defensive battle. It's just so deeply annoying. Like I even felt my annoyance was the commentators weren't even able to find a rhythm because the three and outs were so frequent uh, in the first half. They they took six commercial breaks in the first half. That is irrational. Okay. Like, the truth is we we don't get a whole lot of big noon kickoffs this year because apparently we don't play as many tough people as uh, schools like Penn State with West Virginia. Um, yeah, things like that. That's sarcasm, obviously. But, no, I think for us, it was just the, the rhythm of the game. I felt like as a player alone, that has to be so deeply annoying. And, yes, it, we, we see it frequently. But Donovan Edwards, after the game, even commented, and this is what I love about this team, is right now they're like, all right, I'm going to say everything because – What's the point of holding back and being correct and politically correct at this point? I'm just going to tell you, man, These there's way too many commercial breaks. Like he admitted, like it just really throws you off. So to their credit, I, I loved the commitment that they had to their game plan and they didn't let that disrupt them. But yeah, I mean, as a player, both sides, I'm sure Penn State feels the exact same strain. But the, the commercial breaks alone are just so ridiculous. Just do an ad read with the commentators okay if joel clatter gus johnson reads something at least that gives them more of an opportunity to share a little bit more i mean these guys are professionals they're the best in college football that i know of right now i don't think anyone else i would rather have call a game and i would much rather hear them talk about the philosophy and the strategy and those two and their chemistry are just so solid like let the professionals cook man just let them go and so like You can do ad reads, you can do little spots, uh, look at professional soccer, look at the Europe League. I mean, there's just so many better options for spots um, to promote your product. But the way that they do it, it becomes unwatchable. And when it's the only game you care about, I mean, I got three loads of laundry done. I did the dishes. I got the coffee ready for the next day. This was all in the first half that I got accomplished while the commercial breaks were going on, guys. This is where we are. So I'm just saying like that should not have been able to be happening with me, but I'm just so sick and tired of how this works. And we can't give any of that money to quote Jim Harbaugh to some of the players and the way that they play this much revenue gets made from this many commercial breaks. Just give the money to some of these kids that are obviously why everyone's watching. There were 9 million viewers. So yes, let's give some of these kids some of the money from clearly the amount of money that they're making from these advertisements. So anyway, I'll stop there, but the amount of breaks that were taking place, especially in the first half, was so noticeable, it was maddening. Even my daughter brought something up, which is wild to me. So anyway, that's uh, that's where we are. That was my pessimistic moment. Nothing about our team, just the way that TV is. Very good. Very good. Cousin
0: Kyle, how about you? Where was your pessimism coming from?
2: Well, Nate, I think we could even speculate that maybe the NCAA has it out for Jim Harbaugh because of that very reason that he wants revenue sharing for players. And maybe there's a connection between why he seems to be the only coach that the uh, powers that be are going after. There's just a thought, just a thought to me, the pessimism came in the first couple of drives, you know, Carson Barnhart really just could not um, protect pass protect well at all. And Penn state is hyper aggressive their ends were shooting up the field and to Nate's point earlier again about how loud the stadium was it just seemed like there was there was something off about pass protection and um I was a little confused why they didn't try earlier to to maybe put a tight end over on Chop Robinson and uh you know chip him or just double team um but I would say once we we got to the point where especially even when we went up seven to three, but, but especially when we went up 14 to three, there was no reason to feel super pessimistic. Like, and I think that was obvious with the play calling again, they did not call, or they didn't have any official pass plays in the second half. And I think that was entirely, if you go back to last year's game in the first half uh, it was way too close. Why was it way too close? Because Penn state, Uh, Had a a strip sack, I think it was, or an interception. What there was a turnover. There was a Michigan turnover that led directly to a touchdown. And uh, other than that, there was there was one other like kind of like you know just chuck it up in the air, long long play, bull crap, you know, catch that. uh, Penn State came down with, and that was really the only like threat that they really had against Michigan in the entire game. And I think they took that lesson from last year, and were like, okay the only way we really lose this game, especially once we get up by any score is we're going to uh, have to turn the ball over. And and that's how they would win. That's how Penn state would win. And so I get the very conservative play calling and and I wasn't super pessimistic. Even Uh, again, once we took the lead, I was like, okay, I feel good. Now we're going to win. And, and then it was just a matter of closing it out. And of course, James Franklin got his Joe Tiller special we scored in the last minute to to make the score look a little bit closer than what the game actually was and props to Brandon who was not with us last week he called this he said it's going to be you know well, I think he said 27-13 or something like that but further away than the score would indicate and I think that that is true like if you watch this game even though the the fancy stats actually hadn't um like the 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 infograph that says did we really get beat this bad uh, for the first time all season had Michigan uh, below actually the expectation so like it from the fancy stat perspective whoever that guy is that that compiles them he thought Penn State played a better game but I just I don't think so like I I think once Michigan went up it was it was a no brainer so not a not a ton of pessimism other than the frustration of of the first half uh, pass protections.
0: Yeah, I think for me, um, at the beginning, Blake fumbling early didn't feel good, even though we recovered. It was troubling, especially, you know, our run game has not been poor this season, but compared to last season, hasn't been anywhere close, right? So that was just troubling, right? Thinking, okay we want to come in here and make a statement smash them in the mouth and then we're coughing up the ball and obviously their their defense is is good you know so it was like a lot of you know potential momentum swinging there and then realizing that it's Penn State's offense you know kind of calms you down a little bit um but even two punts to begin the game not great on the road um but obviously we recovered just fine from from all of that. But I think in general, too, uh, Roman Wilson having zero involvement. I know we didn't throw a ton, but, uh, you know, must just mean he's saving it. He's saving it uh, for when we host uh, and Ohio State University uh, in a couple of weeks. And so um, in general, didn't love having him not involved. Didn't love some of the things on special teams. Uh, uh, Doman didn't have, you know, quite the game that he normally would as well as our return game is still mm, not good, non-existent, would maybe be a better way to say it. It's just non-existent. So anyways, uh, that was my pessimism. But obviously, you know, seeing us just play smash-mouth football and and assert uh, our style on the game uh, is what you want to do. You want to control the game. You want to put it in your hands to do it the way you want to do it. So I think we recovered just fine from that. All right, next section, overanalyze. Give us that deep dive, Nate. Get us in. Lots to look at, lots to consider, whether just from this game or on aggregation, what we've seen throughout the season. What do, you, what do you got here?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've all said it and we'll continue to say it, like running that many times in a row was everything, right? And I think the reason they set that strategy as well is one thing we undervalue in sports and we constantly forget uh, as we're armchair quarterbacks is we sit there on our cushy couches and make opinions. And even guys that have formerly played, they make hot takes thinking they were better than they probably were. Um, Chop Robinson and players like him will be doing fine in the NFL level. They will get to the quarterback at the next level. And the we've said before, that place is so loud. When you go to a silent count, you wait for that guard, which you saw Keegan put his hand out that signals to the center Nugent to snap it. When you have that timing down and you're going against a guy that's on the top five freak list for Feldman, I don't care if it's just Barnhart, nine times out of 10, our tackles are going to struggle there. And so the commitment to it, that was the strategy that we had to go with. If it's at home, we could have passed. But because the noise was so loud, they knew exactly the timing of when they were going to snap it. That was everything. And so my favorite part of everything about them knowing, they had to have known. If they didn't, Manny Diaz should be considered on the hot seat, too, um, because they couldn't stop our run. Um, our eight-minute drive in the third quarter, guys, might have been the most beautiful series I've ever seen for a field goal. Here's why. Everything, nothing was farther than, like, eight yards on that except for the J.J. McCarthy run on uh, fourth down to Kyle Shared about, but my gosh, like it was the most gorgeous, methodical, patient drive that took up more than half of a quarter from a team that we know is not going to throw the ball down the field and a team that we know is not going to score a touchdown in like less than five minutes against the defense that we put on the field. So that alone, the strategy, the commitment, the patience, the leadership from our guys just to be like, yep, this is what we're doing and uh, try and stop it. Taking up that much time after they had a turnover when they were actually driving pretty successfully on us, that put the game away. And I think that really demoralized their team. So the fact that we knew what we needed to do, they all were bought in, the selfless leadership from up top. I know, Brandon, it is frustrating to watch Roman Wilson sit there and not get any receptions and watching JJ, who, guys, he's on the Heisman Trophy list and he threw the ball eight times. And the fact that you have guys like that not complain but celebrate speaks volumes about who we have up top. And we've talked about this before. Previous years, we might have had t- more talented teams, but this team has leaders, and that separates great teams from good teams. And so that's what I saw on Saturday uh, was to watch the commitment, the patience, and the understanding of that's what we need to do win the game, and they were all bought into it. So that was fun to watch.
0: Cousin Kyle, how about you? What's your overanalyzed kind of deep dive look at what you were seeing from this past weekend?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's apparent that Michigan did not respect Penn State's ability to move the ball down the field, like Nate just said. And, you know, once we were up 14 to three, we just packed it in. I do think that J.J., um, to Nate's point, right, like eight passes from your Heisman contending quarterback is is an insane stat in this day and age. But J.J. was super important uh, to the to the game plan in general and in particular with the uh, it was third and nine, third and 10, something like that. And the first half on the touchdown, the first touchdown drive, the pin and pull action where uh, they just hike the ball to J.J. And he just follows those two pooling the tackle and the guard, uh, which is one of the plays actually that uh, Donovan, I think, scored on last year. Uh, On on his first big touchdown run to do that again with JJ uh, to sort of mitigate that that intense rush uh, was a a huge play, a huge play in this game. And so just JJ in general, like his existence was so important, even though that's not going to show up on the stat sheet. And I think that, again, to Nate's point, like these guys clearly believe in each other. They celebrate each other uh i'm sure you know all all players want to touch the ball if they're skilled players they want to get the ball they want to run they want to catch score touchdowns like that's that's what they should want to do but i do think that they have uh just this wonderful ability to cheer each other on and even like jj's little like crowning you know motion that he does uh when they score touchdowns or even just like great plays and if you saw Roman, he tried to do that to Roman and Roman like grabbed his hands and put the crown on on JJ. And I just think, you know, vibe wise, which is not analytics, right? Vibe wise, these kids just really care about each other. They seem to, to have just great attitudes, great uh, sportsmanship with each other. And I think that that was lacking. You know, I, you know, obviously all these dummies are like, oh. Connor Stallion showed up in 2021. And that's why Michigan started winning. And it's like, I think if you're like us, and you really watched a lot of Michigan football in 2018, 2019, when they should have, they had opportunities to be better than what they were. I just didn't get that vibe from them. Like they they didn't seem to maybe get along as well as, as this team seems to get along. Uh, and so I think that's important. I do want to take the opportunity as well to talk about basketball. I know that some people are like you don't think about basketball till january but i i think the basketball team heard my pod preview pessimism and they're playing like they personally want to prove me wrong which is great because last year's team seemed to also do it but i was really up on them (laughs) and they were not very good uh but this year is man if you haven't watched yet they are so much fun this team is so legit everyone seems to have improved that needed to improve. And I wanted to save some of this, like, uh, for the the St. John's game. Like, I thought that this would be a huge litmus test for Michigan because St. John's, even though they weren't great last year, they got Rick Pitino coming in and, and say what you want about Rick Pitino. He's a great coach, right? He gets results in 30 seconds or less, and he is somebody that is going to turn St. John's into, I think, a, a really good program. And Michigan came out and dominated like they they dominated St. John's for for most of this game. Terrace is uh, dropped some weight. He's moving up and down the floor with ease. Massive improvement on defense. Listen, Hunter Dickinson scored 27 points last night and grabbed 21 rebounds for Kansas. And I don't I don't feel like I miss him. You know, like I, I'm not like looking at that being like pining for him um doug is a vision like he is like frankie collins but like shooting well it's it's like you know it's like the old joke with fred jackson he's mike hart but fast i was i was about to say he's frankie collins but fast but frankie collins is fast i want to give him credit for that but like doug is just he's playing out of his mind t will Terrence Williams has been playing great. This was a kid last year. I think all of us were just like, what are you doing? And this year he's just, he's, he's been looking really good. Will Shedder, Shutter time. So surprising. I really, you know, was kind of like maybe he's on his way to the Mac because he could not even defend Mac players last year. And I, again, thought St. John's for him specifically would be a great test for us of like, is this something I should believe in this year? And I, I think we can, I think we can start taking that, that, uh, shedder, shedder time to, uh, to the bank, if you will. And so yeah, transfers, transfers are playing well too. So basketball is real exciting. They got battle for Atlantis next week, uh, over your holidays. So they play Wednesday night Memphis. And then, um, I think North Carolina's in it as well. There's a couple other really good teams, uh, that'll be good for Michigan to end up playing. So anyway, uh, yeah, if you're not watching basketball, get on it this is a fun team you can you can believe in love again with this team so
0: yeah it was I was watching it on my flight home and uh shout out to United Airlines for having TVs um but I turned it on and I was like oh Michigan has a lead oh Michigan is playing great great like great basketball and we play defense again it's really fun to see that Um, We, we can put the, the orange thing into the hoop, which is, which is also great and fun to watch. So uh, um, I agree with you. I think they heard you and uh, Kyle is the motivational equivalent of Connor stallions uh, to the basketball team. So we have that going for us. Well, overanalyzed on the football uh, JJ seven of eight for 60 yards. But what what does he continue to do be efficient and help us win be efficient help us win um you know I think there's probably some other quarterbacks uh who might uh audible out of pa- uh, out of runs to passes not JJ JJ's uh checking uh out of pass options into run options on third and eleven uh and getting us in the end zone uh drew Aller similar yardage 70 yards except he was 10 of 22 and so there's just a difference in efficiency there um you, you know you pass the ball 22 times and you gain 70 yards that's that's pretty rough um so watching that efficiency game uh is in, in the battle of you know uh maybe the you know two of the best quarterbacks in the big i mean jj stands in a quarter a category on his own um, but not only did they get a lot of carries in this game, obviously we ran the ball 30 some times in a row. Um, what we saw from Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards was something we haven't seen much of is they were breaking big runs and just getting chunk yards, just chunking forward. You know, a couple times you saw Blake do that thing where he like kind of spins like a like a fish rising out of the water, right, and just kind of keeps spinning, keeps burrowing himself to, to get those extra yards, um, making people miss that cut, you know, he's got back. Uh, the fact that Edwards was, you know, 5.2 yards a carry, Quorum 5.6 yards per carry, really encouraging. Uh, we pressured Drew Aller, and it shows up in his incompletions. I mean, we didn't get a lot of sacks. We didn't get a lot of TFLs but it showed up in his incompletions. Uh, I didn't love Aller getting some decent conversions on scrambles. Obviously it was part of our game plan because he wasn't going to break the big runs. But I think the one thing that bothered me is he converted a lot of first downs. Obviously he, he scrambled for that touchdown. So the conversion rate bothered me a little bit on, on his scrambling. Um, and then just, let's just let it be said here. Uh I think it was mentioned earlier, but Kenneth Grant catching Katron Allen was next level. He was about seven yards away from him. And then Katron kind of did like a juke and someone, uh, a DB, like kind of grabbed on him. But uh, Kenneth Grant was still then four yards behind him and accelerated and caught him and brought him down. And to be honest, uh, if Allen is, you know, if it's an open field tackle with whoever was back there, um, you know from uh, in our secondary he could break through that so K- Kenneth or uh, Kenneth Grant catching him there was actually a huge play not only physically impressive for a guy his size but like actually significant in the in the scope of the game as well so um, yeah I, I think a lot to be happy about um, defensively and offensively as we look at it all right ATW awards of the week Nate get us in. Uh, what's the ATW award going to from you this week?
1: All right. Uh great stuff, Brandon. Great stuff, Kyle. My gosh, there's so much to talk about. Before I get into our accomplishments, I would like to give away some awards for just horrendous nature of who Penn State really is as a program. Can I do that? Permit me 30 seconds. Best case. James Franklin, just they just fired their offensive coordinator guys after the game. That's how bad things were. But here's my thing. He's now broken up with six offensive coordinators in 10 years. Are we sure it's the offensive coordinator, guys? Best case is he lacks awareness. Worst case is he's really not that good of a coach offensively. And that's what you hired him for. So anyway, I just want to say that program continues to be the bronze statue the best thing I saw on the internet over the weekend was someone said that Penn state is a big 10 plant just to complement our strength of schedule and Ohio state strength of schedule every year. And I thought that was brilliant. Uh, I just want to acknowledge that that might actually be true because they are embarrassing. I saw LeVar Arrington, the great LeVar Arrington who actually told Netley lion fans who were calling for James Franklin's head. He goes, Hey, I never beat Michigan. <laughs> so He knows what they're about. They're not really ever going to be a national power. I think they need to have some awareness and understanding that they are a program that's going to be top 20. And so we thank you so much for giving us a good win, a quality win. And that's what you are. You're a quality team. So I just want to thank you for being the quality end of the hotels and uh, the quality end of the Big Ten for that matter. So anyway, moving on. Uh, I just didn't want to move on past that. I just wanted to make fun of that school for all the trolling they did this past week uh, and our soft schedule. But yeah, for us, man, where do I start? ATW award. It was tough. I mean, Brandon, Kyle, like you both mentioned, like Kenny Grant, my gosh, that man's a freak show. I mean, the beginning of the game, the run defense between him and Mason Graham, Derek Moore, they're all true sophomores and Will Johnson next year. It's not like the cupboards be emptying next year. You know what I mean? Ernest Houseman, same thing. True sophomore. Uh, They all showed out. Blake Corum, JJ, Michael Barrett, Donovan Edwards, uh, Keegan, Zinter, Jenkins, Rod Moore, any of them. And their obvious leadership through these two weeks. But for this week, I do want to give a specific heartfelt shout out to, I thought, the ATW player of the game, which is Trenty Jones. Trenty got demoted, guys. He lost his job. He was a starting right tackle. Um, he's put some stuff pretty publicly that he's been struggling, I think, with mental health. The entire team, as you saw them come off the bus, was wearing Michigan versus everybody T-shirts. He was wearing Mental Health Matters. And Trent A, absolutely, it does. We don't talk about it enough, but there's a reason that sports psychologists are being sought after more than ever before. Um, the the physical toll that your bodies go through, you are sacrificing your health for the rest of your lives. And I think people need to understand that. Not to mention the, the mental strain, the fact that you're a, a – a college student as well. I know that gets made fun of, but when you go to Michigan, it's not like you just get let in. There are priorities. There are circumstances you have to go through. Um, I don't know what his battle's been, but you guys, his his play was pivotal for our success. He was the second highest ranked on PFF run blocker on the offensive line for the day. Um, also, by by the way, Tyler Morris was the number one blocker, run blocker for the day. So I want you guys to understand he is Ronnie Bell Jr. Just for the record. Um, But no, Trente Jones, I think a person like that, who's clearly been going through some stuff, sacrificed his own good for the team and uh, came out and blocked his butt off all day on the 19 plays that he was called to go out there and go and do the job. And he did. He might've been worn two numbers yesterday, but uh, he had one dominant performance. So Trente Jones, you're the player of the week. Congrats, man. And we're behind you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And amazing,
0: amazing messages being communicated as well as putting even more attention on raising awareness by having such a great game, you know, such an impactful moment. And like you said, for him to kind of ascend back into uh, playing the amount of snaps he did, it was a a big deal. Cousin Kyle, big mistake of the week. What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, I I also want to just, Sort of I guess, echo what what Nate just said, and and that's uh that's wonderful. thanks so much for sharing that, Nate, because we I think most of us really care about college sports because uh, especially as adults, uh not just a connection maybe somehow to the universities that we that we cheer for, but there's also this this joy in watching um young people mature and grow up and and sort of battle through hard things and uh, you know, that, yeah, I mean, Life is so much bigger than a game. Uh, it's easy to, to lose sight of that for so many reasons. But but Trente Jones, uh, we hope that that you're getting, you know, the the support that you need. And that, you know, we appreciate you uh still playing on the team and and contributing. I hope that, that that's life giving to you and not, you know, uh something that's causing stress or causing like anxiety, making it worse. I hope that 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 hopefully this is uh, yeah, again, something that's good for you, uh, and we want to cheer you on for those reasons and and many more. and And so, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that, Nate well, let's let's take a hard turn. Let's talk about the big mistake of the week. And the big mistake of the week, maybe the year, maybe the century is one Tony Petiti. And, you know, a lot can be said about this. we We don't need to to beat a dead horse, so to speak. but, like, Uh, man, suspending a coach without any evidence, without any, any evidence that ties him to, uh, this scheme. And I think, again, we, we can admit that Connor Stallions most likely did the things that that he's accused of doing, uh, seems to have made some really bad decisions. I think he really was hoping that he was like going to make himself look really cool and important, get some sort of promotion or whatever. But like, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, Biff Pogie came out and was just like, Hey guys, I was best friends with Jim Harbaugh the last three years. No one was closer to him than me other than his wife and kids. I didn't know about this. He didn't know about it. Shut up, get a better team, which I loved. I love that that he said. John Harbaugh came out and said in an interview that the NCAA had like looked through his computer and his phone records and found nothing, right, like nothing tying him to this. And so Tony Petiti, who, who... – why did he become commissioner of the Big Ten? It's because he worked for MLB TV. He worked for Major League Baseball. I don't think anyone should be surprised that this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Major League Baseball doesn't know what it's doing when it comes to so many things. Okay, Although I will say, rule changes this year, really good. Otherwise, though, their TV deals, stupid.
1: Awful. Agreed. The rules yeah. they changed after he left, they right. got better when he left. So here we are.
2: There you Here we are. So um, so no one should be surprised at his ineptitude, but the level of of ineptitude is staggering. And I think and I know a lot of people said it and a lot of people have big feelings and and kind of think that this is a hot, a hot take. But like, I think he's committed suicide for the Big Ten long term. Like super conferences where you were already on that road that like, eventually we're going to show up to that. But you think about the billion dollar contract that the that the Big Ten, I should say, has with these TV networks. Nate's Nate said this earlier. Nine million people watched Ohio State or watched uh, Michigan and Penn State play. How? I mean, I bet twelve million at least watch Ohio State, Michigan. They're not showing up to watch Indiana and Rutgers, right? They're not. They're not. We're not getting seven million people tuning in. To watch Purdue versus Illinois, and yet these teams have the audacity to to go after Michigan. Michigan doesn't need the Big Ten. They don't. I would, if I was Michigan, I would call up uh, Oregon and Washington and USC, and then I would reach out to Alabama and Georgia. I would reach out to even Ohio State, to be honest, because we do need Ohio State. We're we're, we're mutually uh, connected. And I would say, hey, guys, let's, let's create a super conference. Let's get rid of all these dinky teams. We don't need to share money with them. They don't, we don't need them. And so Tony Petiti thinks that he's placating 13 other athletic departments and 13 other coaches who are all doing the exact same thing, by the way, all of them. And Petiti could have solved this problem really easily. He could have just said, you know what, guys, next year, we're communicating through helmets. No more sign stealing. He didn't do that. He attacked Michigan on some vague sportsmanship clause in the Big Ten bylaws and literally said, even though we don't have evidence that Jim Harbaugh was involved, uh, we need to punish somebody, basically. And so we're going to punish him. And I just, uh, that is staggering to me that that this decision was made. Also, it was made while Jim Harbaugh was on an airplane. And then he finds out about it. He said, I found out about it because when we landed, someone showed me their phone. That's how he found out. That's how you take the the most visible premier coach in your league, and that's how you treat him. Again, not for, for wrongdoing that he did, right? This is not Urban Meyer covering up spousal abuse, right? This is not... Even like tattoo gate, which I think we can look back on and 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 maybe change our minds a little bit about this is not paying pay, uh, players under the table. This is some some weirdo. went and stole some signs that everyone else does. He just did it differently than than some other people did it. And all the whining about well, even knowing the run or pass play makes such a huge difference. Michigan just ran the ball thirty two times in the second half against Penn State. You didn't think Penn State didn't know that that was coming? Did Penn State win? No, they did not. So, our big mistake of the week, month, year, millennium, is Tony Petiti. Good job, Boyle. You killed your conference long-term. So, way to go.
0: Yeah, I think, gosh parking it right there what an idiot <laughs> did he not see the ratings of that game how f- they doubled like every other game like isn't your job to steward your conference well but instead the thing that's putting all of the eyeballs and attention which in the short term could be a great move for him you know stir the pot a bit all those kinds of things but moving forward I mean I think we just saw this past year how things in an athletic conference can go from like Pac-12 being significant to Pac-12 not a conference and that doesn't just impact one sport that impacts the whole lot of it right so uh yeah he's playing with fire certainly for me, the ATW special teamer of the week, not a lot of choices here, but I think it's a great time to spotlight somebody. Long snapper William Wagner, up for a semifinalist for the long snapper of the year, the Manley Award. He's a graduate student, has a mechanical enge- engineering degree. Listen to what he said here. I use my mechanical engineering degree pretty much every day in long snapping. In engineering, I have to know how, how how matter I have to know how the matter is going to react if I put force in on one place compared to another. And it's the same in long snapping, how the ball is going to fly if I snap it one way versus another. So he uh, he has, you know, before uh, studying to be an engineer, he was a, a football player, he enjoyed high school football, the Wagner brothers growing up. Um, but yeah, he really got into long snapping, has had a nice academic career at Michigan, continuing in his graduate studies. And uh, he's up for the Patrick Manley Award and uh, really, really excited for him. He does have uh, some you know, prospects of playing in the NFL as well. And uh, yeah, so want to give it up to him. He's been really nice and consistent all year. think he's someone to spotlight, despite some of our, uh, you know, up and down special teams experience of this year. Uh, I think he's kept us pretty consistent in the kicking game. So William Wagner, ATW uh, special teamer of the week. All right. On to Maryland previews and predictions on to the a game a game before the game which is always a tricky tricky time uh Nate what are you seeing as we get ready to take on the terrapins
1: yeah well first of all yeah huge shout out to the long snappers out there uh awesome great stuff Brandon great stuff well the thing you need to know about Maryland is that team that we just held to 15 points uh if you invert that that's what Maryland gave up to Penn State's offense, 51 points the week before. Um, they did beat Nebraska this week, 13 to 10, after the Huskers threw threw them the ball five different times from three different quarterbacks on Saturday. Go Nebraska, five interceptions, three quarterbacks, pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, to the point of Maryland, they hired a guy that made it one year at Miami of Florida before getting fired. Who was somehow the Broyles Award winner for Michigan the year before that? Josh Gattis. Um, Yeah, he's their offensive coordinator. I think Mike Loxley probably hired him because he allows him someone that he can control, and that's why he probably allowed him to be the offensive play caller. They worked together at Alabama. But really, they've got the most experienced quarterback in the entire Big Ten, and they have fluctuated all year. So I don't think much of them. I know before the season started, Kyle appropriately was concerned about them because they do have a flash. But, you know, as I think we acknowledge, playing them in November is different than playing them in September or October. So I don't know if I need to keep going. But, guys, I think this is an orgy and Jack Tuttle hold of the offense in the third and fourth quarters. I think Khalil Mullings gets 80 yards rushing and a touchdown. The thing is, please, no injuries. Um, There could be some weird things happening. It's a road game. There was a lot of emotion last Saturday. I just think they have shown such resolve and leadership that maybe I shouldn't be as confident as I am. But I have yet to see a college team this strong mentally. So I'm not concerned. I think Michigan wins 29 to 10, maybe 29 to 17 if they get one of those last, as uh, Kyle calls it, Joe Tiller special touchdown at the end. Uh, Other than that, I think uh, we should be restful. Uh, thank God for a noon kickoff. And uh, we'll move on to the game after Saturday. That's my expectation. Cousin Kyle
0: on to Maryland in Maryland previews and predictions.
2: Yeah, So two years ago, this Maryland game was Donovan Edwards coming out party. Like he torched Maryland for over 200 total yards between running and catching the ball. Uh, Had at least one or two touchdowns. Um, Last year was much closer, though not as close as the final score indicated. They uh, came to Michigan in September, so we had September Maryland versus November Maryland. Uh, The only thing that worries me about November Maryland is, again, it's the week before the game, uh, and like last year when we played Illinois at home, it was very obvious uh, that we were not uh up to snuff. I think we we didn't really take them very seriously. Maybe they actually had all of our play calls, you know. Maybe that was why Michigan didn't look great against Illinois. But also Donovan Edwards or uh Donovan Edwards was hurt, Blake Corum got hurt. We were relying on CJ Stokes and Isaiah Gash uh and not running with JJ at all so that he could get to the Ohio State game. So anyway, that's what worries me the most is it's right before Ohio State. Um I think JJ is going to be put in bubble wrap and and the goal again, as Nate said, is no injuries. Um, I do think Michigan is going to come in a little bit sharper because they're so angry. Uh, I think that it is a road game, but Washington DC is very Michigan friendly. A lot of Michigan grads. I bet, especially as a noon game, there's going to be a lot more Michigan fans Maybe more than Maryland fans or, or even like 50-50. I think it's going to feel less like a road game, certainly, than last weekend. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think Tua uh, is is one of the best quarterbacks we're going to see all year. Maybe second best, maybe even first best. You know, I don't, you know, not not saying the passing game is, but he is a quarterback. I still think it's really good. So it'll be good for the the secondary for Michigan to get some practice in before the hydra of receivers that is an ohio state uh uh offense and so i think michigan again rolls uh it's gonna be 35 to 14 um and hopefully yeah we get to see a lot of jack tuttle and and maybe even some some alex orgy so that's what i think is gonna happen
0: in uh maryland's previous two games uh Against Penn State and Northwestern, Talia was sacked twelve times, but only one time versus Nebraska last week. So they've they've made some adjustments. He was getting obviously he drops back a lot, but he was getting pressured and hit a lot. Um, you know, as I think about it, I think will Michigan return to the pass uh, on offense? Uh, Maryland rakes eighth in terms of pass defense in the Big Ten, so I think we might want to exploit that a bit. Um, sneaky stat for Maryland on defense they're 27th in the nation in third down conversion percentage uh, which I thought was interesting Maryland obviously loves to throw Jones Felton and Prather are all over 500 yards receiving so I think it does give us a little bit obviously not the same you know Marvin Harrison Jr's uh category of its own but of how we're going to need to set up I'd be curious how we uh, get some reps in, you know, as we uh, Maryland likes to spread it out. Curious how we mix in the blitz with various coverages on Talia personnel. What does that look like? How does our personnel need to shift in a game like this? Um, as well as, uh, you know, Michigan leads the Big Ten in passing yards allowed per game. Touchdown passes allowed and in second interception. So curious to see how our secondary stands up against Maryland because um, we didn't really get the test that we thought, you know, that everyone was hyping up with Drew Aller, how he was really going to test our secondary. Uh, we did not experience that. And so I'm, I'm curious on this. And um, I think we open the defensive playbook a bit as we get ready for Ohio State, but I think we keep it fairly vanilla on offense. Uh, I think it's Michigan 29, Maryland 13, but the, the gap will f- – feel uh much 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 greater get everyone out healthy and and strong as we get ready to host an ohio state university all right boys any final thoughts before we head out here
2: no just get your hearts ready you're gonna you're gonna feel a lot of tension not this week and you know it's maryland but but against ohio state just just get that start doing some cardio start exercising doing some walking some running uh because it's i nate made the point earlier about penn state the penn state game being like you know the most satisfying win since 2021 ohio state and i think i want this this victory more than maybe
1: i've ever wanted one before
2: so get ready for that
1: i also just want to give a shout out to uh indiana illinois i know it was mentioned earlier about the numbers. Um, but yeah, set your uh, DVRs. They had a viewership of three hundred and sixty-eight thousand people. <laughs> so that's a that's a fun assembly hall. We didn't give a shout out to that game, which went into overtime. I just wanted to recognize the entirety of the Big Ten for what they bring to the table, as was mentioned uh-huh. earlier. So
2: so Illinois is now the official <laughs> assembly hall memorial stadium. Yes, UIIU for this year.
1: Yep. For this year, uh, mm-hmm. well, 300,000 people that watched. Do they have to name their stadium? Uh, does IU have to name their assembly hall after it? an Illinois great player? Like, is it called Juice Williams Field now, or what do we <laughs> the Nathan
2: Shield House Field House? Oh, my
0: goodness, Rashad Menden Hall! <laughs> oh, rashad shot Menden. <laughs> oh, <like> <laughs> memorial <laughs> stadium i think i'm out i think i'm out of illinois football players now that's uh, it. red
1: range red range is one kyle oh uh goodness. was with me at an illinois game and he kept shouting galloping ghost and upset the entire people around us but they also that was they knew they knew they knew, they knew. That, was, that was yeah that was in my younger days i was meaner back oh uh, yeah we were less kind but also i was just looking at other um You know, I was looking for ratings from the Maryland-Nebraska game for last week. I actually don't – they're not on the top – I don't know how much this is, but they must have been less than Rice-UTSA at 22,000 because they're not on this list. It's tough. That's tough.
0: Well, that's all we have for you on All Things Wolverines. We will talk to you next week and get ready to recap the Maryland-Michigan game and preview the game against an Ohio State. University. We'll talk to you later. Have a great week.